grab your Bibles. We're in the book of Romans this morning. You mentioned the storms, you know, growing up in Texas, uh, you know, a big storm come through, you could hear it through the roof, you could hear it through the windows, you could hear it through everything. Here in our house, man, we have to throw open the windows to hear it. So if a thunderstorm comes through, we're like opening the house, you know. We're used to that. We like that. So, Well, as we've been going through the first seven chapters of Romans, we've been talking about how sinful man is, how much in need of a Savior uh, that we are, how carnal we are. Paul even said last week how wretched I am. And, you know, and especially the first couple of chapters, or one through three, it's almost like he was just beating us over the head, you know. And we're like, can we just get through all this sinful stuff? Well, we are through part with the sinful stuff, in a sense, because we're, uh, we're now getting into chapter 8. And Paul basically has set the foundation of everything that we needed of, about uh, uh, what kind of people we are. And the reason why he does that is so he shows that we are in need of a Savior, and he set that foundation, and now he's going to talk to us about what do we do about it? How do we deal with it? How do we get close to God? How do we talk to God? How do we have a relationship? So that's what we're going to get into uh, this morning in Romans 8. So Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through, the, uh, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it would weaken by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in his likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that righteousness requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have a mindset on the flesh on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have a mindset, have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. The mind is governed by the flesh, uh, the mind governed by flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in, in the realm of flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even through your body, or even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Paul starts out, yeah, amen on this one, right? Paul starts out, man, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The word condemnation is the word uh, katarima. It, uh, It means the punishment after sentencing. So you've gone through the trial. You've gone through everything. You've been said, you are guilty as, well, literally guilty as hell, okay? That's what you're deserving. That's what we are deserving of, okay? But then Christ comes along and says, guess what? There's no punishment here. You've been sentenced, but you've been sentenced. Somebody else has taken your punishment. 
Wow. You know, he doesn't come along and say, you know... Well, I mean, he just basically says the actual punishment for sin, including the death sentence. You know, we, we, we think punishment of sin is, is feeling guilt, but really it's a death sentence. And Paul's saying, hey, once you get to the sentencing, you're free. There is no sentence. There's no penalty for sin. You get your get-out-of-free-jail card, okay? You know, you, every so often, police will give you a, have you ever dealt with this? Police will give you a card and say, hey, if you ever get into, you know, have any, no one? That's good. That means you haven't, uh, I don't know, maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. But um, I've had one of those. But that's because I was a chaplain for the Contra Costa Sheriff's Department, okay? So if anything ever happened, I could call in or whatever, but, but I never had to use it, just so you know. Um, Oh, man, you guys are something else. But Paul is saying there's no payment necessary. So don't shame yourself. You don't have to do that. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to pay. Something inside of us says, well, that's not fair, right? Someone should pay. I mean, Brandon, man, he loves those words. That's not fair. Son, you have no idea what fair is, okay? Oh, man, that's not fair. Someone should pay. Well, guess what? They did. And his name is Jesus Christ. He paid. He paid on the cross. He paid by the whippings that he got before the cross. He went through an excruciating thing to take our sins to the cross. So it was paid for. So therefore, it's fair in a sense. Christ has already bought your freedom. So we shouldn't punish ourselves for sin. The guilt that comes with that keeps us from living in Christ. He starts out, therefore, there is no condemnation in verse 1. For, the, uh, for, for who? Those. Those who live or who are in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. See, there's a difference between those who walk in the Spirit and those who do not walk in the Spirit. In fact, Paul will mention the Spirit over 20 times in chapter 8, almost every verse. He is trying to teach us the value, the work, the necessity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And unfortunately, uh, you know, it's very important for us to understand the Holy Spirit. And so, so many of us have ignored that part of God. We understand God. We understand Jesus, but then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I mean, you're either on the, well, the Spirit of God works, or you're on the holy roller side where I'm just, the Spirit is telling me to do all this weird stuff, and we're sitting there going, um, what? No, 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 I don't see that. So most of us just ignore the Spirit, but Paul is trying to teach us. It is so essential in our life, because if the Holy Spirit's not there, the church will become a museum doesn't feel alive, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is gone. Or you go to the place like it's crazy, and, you know, people are acting, you know, all this different stuff, and, you know, but at least that church is staying awake, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the church needs to have the Holy Spirit active in, you know, active in the church. It's the life, it's the blood, it's the oxygen that brings Christ into the world. So the Apostle Paul is telling us in chapter 8, there is no condemnation because the Holy Spirit will teach us certain things. 
The first thing the Holy Spirit is going to teach us is that if we are in Christ, we do not pay for the penalty for our sin. There's nothing that you can do to make up for your past. There's nothing. Uh, you know, I love the, uh, I, I, you know, in certain ways, I love that our church is small. In other ways, I wish our church was big because I've been involved in big ministries and it can be a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. And, and in another sense, I mean, there's lots of things you can do. You can have, uh, you know, I've adopted, a, uh, Joshua's here is adopted. You can actually have a huge adoption ministry in a big church. It's a lot of fun to do that and foster care and stuff. And those parents will get together in groups and do Bible studies because they have all this stuff in common. You can do all sorts of different ministries. You can have a prison ministry. And I love churches that, that, you know, that can do a prison ministry. Because there's nothing like going to a person that's been in prison and saying, Hey, look, what you've done can be forgiven. You've got to change your ways. And you change your ways because you have a desire to please God. Okay? That's why we change our ways. Because we want to please Him. But to say, man, you... you you do not have to pay the penalty for your sin. Now, there may be consequences like prison. There may be consequences like, you know, certain sins have results in our lives, right? We would all, we all understand that. You know, my eight-year-old, I mean, my eight-year-old, my six-year-old wants to be eight now because he doesn't want the booster chair in the car. He's asking the other day, how old do I have to be, you know? But, uh, you know, my six-year-old, Man, he, he does something. He's starting to learn consequences for actions and sins. We all understand that. But there's nothing that we can do to make up for our past. There's nothing that we can do. We can change our future, but our past? There's nothing wrong with bearing fruit for the Lord. In fact, the Bible even says, if you're not bearing fruit, then you need to ask yourself if you're even a Christian, okay? Okay. Now, there are, there are dormant seasons in life where you go through, and you know, like winter for our trees. They don't bear fruit during winter, do they? Unless it's a winter-bearing fruit tree, you know what I'm saying? But, but, you know, there's times when we're dormant stuff, but we have to ask ourselves, are we a Christian? You know, fruit is important. But it's not there for us to say, well, I'm bearing fruit. I'm bearing fruit to, to atone for my sin. No, that, that's backward. God says, I've already atoned for your sin. So I freed you so you could go out there and bear fruit in this world. So you could go out there and do great things. To bear fruit is to, to worship God in the world. Um, and now that I'm in Christ, we should say, man, look, here comes the fruit. This is why I, I give in the offering. This is why I serve at the church. This is why I share Christ. This is why, you know, uh, I'm, I was successful in, you know, conquering my addiction. I don't pay a penalty but I still bear fruit. And in verse 2 he says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we've been talking about the Old Testament, where the Old Testament law was rigid and, and you know, confining. It wasn't helpful. It just pointed out your sin. It said, look how bad you are. And we all went, ugh, <laughs> yeah, I'm bad. I understand that now. Man, we start to say, I'm my own boss, and this is not wise for us. No, the, the Holy Spirit takes us by the hand and walks us across the street. The Holy Spirit raises us and enrolls us in the right classes like a, like a good parent does. 
You know, with Brandon, I, I teach him. I, I, I teach him how I want him to act and how I want him to, you know, who I want him to be around. I don't go, Brandon, hey, you're six now. Go out and act and do whatever you want because you're a grown-up boy. Just do whatever. Just go for it. No. I take him to a place where he can mature. I can take him to a place where he can find out who he is, why he exists, and, and his relationship with God, with God. And this is what Paul says the Holy Spirit does with us. He brings us along to mature us. Where Paul says it's not obedience to the law, but a relationship with Christ Jesus. Verse 2, it says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives Life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then Paul gives us a whole list here. But Paul will say this, you know, as, as uh, uh, Andy said this morning, I have to think of Andy, he's like up here. As Andy said this morning, you know, Paul said the same thing to the Galatians. Paul said the same thing to the Corinthians. In fact, in, in uh, Corinthians, Paul says, now the Lord is, is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And to the Galatians, he says, uh, it, is, it is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. And in Galatians 5, you know, he's talking about religious bondage and slavery. You know, we've kind of talked about, uh, you know, slavery to sin and, and the whole idea of slavery and the plantation and, and being pulled back in, even though we've been freed we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. We have no foundation. So we hang around the, 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 the plantation and get drawn back into that. And he's, you know, that's a different type of slavery here. Here in Galatians, he's saying there's religious bondage. Christ didn't set us free so we could go right back into religious rules and religious reg, you know, regulations. Christ wants us to live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. And with that freedom, don't get me wrong, there comes responsibility, okay? So don't, don't think we just have this freedom, we can do whatever, like a six-year-old. But here in Romans 8, 2, he has a beautiful name for the Holy Spirit. He calls it the Spirit who gives life. Think about this. This is really cool. He's relating back to the Spirit who gives life. Where did the Spirit give life? Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was spread over the surface and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I mean, this is like the, the beginning of a really cool movie and now that we have all the, the cool you know, CGI and all the graphics and all that, you could almost imagine the movie and, and the Spirit hovering. There had to be some type of a music or noise behind it. You figure out what works for you, okay? But it's just hovering there. And Paul says it's powerful hovering of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. It's that same Spirit that breathed life into man that lives in you if you are in Christ. Think about that for a second. Does that have power? <laughs> I mean, think about what happened in Genesis. He not only gave life to man, but he, I mean, he, he, he split the water from the land. He created all the animals. He did all, you know, all the, the different things and all the different things that he did. That's the Holy Spirit's work. That Spirit is living in you. You have a power that I dare say is pretty much untapped in many ways. We have this power. I don't think we think enough about this. 
often like, we, you know, we kind of feel like we're alone, alone in serving God in our own life, alone in serving God in our job or, or wherever. And yet that spirit that hovered the earth is in us. And we're like, hello, Lord, are you listening? And he's like, yeah, yeah I'm right here in you. Question is, are you listening? So it does so much more that hovers. After hovering, it started creating. God spoke the Spirit of God into Adam. The breath of life. And that dwells in you and I. So the worst thing you can do is think that you're alone in serving God. Because you have the Holy Spirit right there. He is around you. He's above you. He is in front of you. He's under you. He is in you because you believed and asked him into your life. The Holy Spirit is not in everyone. The Spirit of God is in Christians. Verse 2, it says in Romans 8, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We cannot break free of that sin uh, on our own. And here's the deal. Paul is going to tell us that we're not on our own, that we need to give up trying to do things on our own strength, and that this is what the Lord wants us to do, to give up that, that whole idea of giving, you know, doing everything on our own strength. My reaction is, but, but then I sin. And he says, well, that's the first step. You give up on your own strength, and then when you sin, you come back to me. You keep listening to me. Verse 3, it says, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condensed sin to the flesh. Verse 4, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus came on account of sin. That was the plan that God put into motion after Adam and Eve uh, sinned. He took the penalty of death in the flesh. The sense of death was, was you know, on his body, and this is why Jesus came. This is why Christ came. Fully God and fully human at the same time. Fully God, fully human. Fully human, so sin could be taken out, or the punishment of sin could be taken out on human flesh. It had to have that sacrifice. You know, the human flesh, that's what causes us to sin. It's what causes us to be drawn to sin. And we talked about it last week or the week before, sarks, the whole idea of, of the flesh, and it pulls us. I mean, Eve was deceived, okay, and we always try to blame it on her and all that, and and. Rightly so, but oh, I mean, um, we try to blame it on her. But, but Adam, he wasn't deceived. Adam chose death. Think about that for a second. Eve was deceived. Adam said, yeah, I'll do it. You did it, I'll do it. Adam's like a follower. You know, we, we don't want our kids following, do we? No, we, in a couple of weeks we're going to be talking about, you know, we always say to our kids, who you choose to follow is important. Who you choose to be around, the friends that you choose, I mean, that can set you up for life. It can also set you up for a life of trouble. Adam, I guess he was a follower here. He willfully chose death, and it came for all his offspring. 
And his offspring is who? You and I. Christ came, you know, is what the Scriptures call a second Adam. Uh, you know, he dies to reverse what Adam did. And he carried our sin to the hill on the cross. He was killed, he was buried in the tomb, and he was resurrected. He came out, and the sins of man stayed in the tomb. They stayed buried. So if you are in Christ, your sins are buried with Christ. So uh, here's a huge revelation for you. You have the power to say no to sin. You have the power to not sin. Now, am I saying that you have the power to be perfect? (laughs) No, I'm not saying that at all. Because the flesh and the spirit inside of us, that's where the battle's going in. But you have the power within you to say no to sin. We benefit from accepting Jesus. Not only do we get to go to heaven, but we have the power within us to say no. It's more than just dealing with our past. It's dealing with our now. It's dealing with our struggles that we go through. It's dealing with our future. We have the freedom, like Adam, to choose to sin or not. Because we've been forgiven, and it's wonderful. But I've also been given the power the power to not sin through the help of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus put on the human flesh for a purpose. He didn't take on the bait of temptation. And he lived without sin. He was more than a prophet. He was the Son of God. The perfect Lamb who takes away what? Our sins. He absorbed the sins of the world. In verse, uh, verse 4, it says, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So Paul's going to come along, and he's going to define Christianity and what it means. What it means to be a follower of Jesus, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That right there defines who we are. Everything that we are is defined in that one sentence. Really, a half a sentence, you know, right here. We do not walk according to the flesh anymore. So when your friend comes along and says, hey, you know, your old friend, before you were a Christian, or somebody who's not a Christian comes along and says, hey, let's go do da 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 whatever it is. You don't have to be preachy about it, but you've got to get to a point where you say, no, that, that's my old self. I don't, I don't do that anymore. I'm different now. I'm new now. And you start the conversation about how God's starting to change you. You don't have to go, no, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. I can't. No, I don't want to do that because I want to be pleasing to what I believed, you know, that Jesus died for my sins. And you can start a whole conversation about that. In Galatians 5.16, Paul's talking to the people, people of Galatia. And, you know, they're very different from the Romans. And he says the same thing, but he does it in a different way because they have a different way of thinking. He says, so I say, walk by, the, uh, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. This sounds kind of more Old Testament. Thou shalt not. You will not. But what he says is, just walk in the Spirit. Just walk in the Spirit and become natural. Paul's not saying this is a command. How do you stop sinning? Hang out with God more. I mean, if 
If you could imagine being around Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, you imagine him right there with you, would that stop you from doing certain things? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said earlier, who we hang out is, is important. My wife and I have this philosophy. If we can make our house a fun house for the neighborhood, for Brandon and Grayson, and, and, you know, and also have things for those that are you know, around our house, like outdoor things, like you know, foosball or air hockey or you know, stuff like that you know, for the kids to play, and, and adults on occasion, you know, but I'm just saying for the kids, where will Brandon and, and Grayson and the rest of the kids in the neighborhood hang out? Most likely down at our house. Now, for my wife and I, that's a good thing because we want to keep an eye on our kids. Maybe even keep the neighborhood kids from getting in trouble because I know what my wife believes. I know what I believe, and I sort of know what some of our neighbors believe, and hopefully we can have an influence for the good on that. We want Brandon to be outside. We want him to have friends. We want him to branch out a little bit. I mean, he, even though he has a brother, it's still the brother's real young, and he still has this I'm an only child mentality. Mom, you need to play with me. Dad, you need to play with me. And we're just like, we've been playing with you all day. Come on, go play by yourself, you know? We want him to branch out. So we've told the, the, you know, the other kids, you're welcome to come down. Now, we've also told, we're smart about this. We've also told the parents, hey, when all your kids are down at our house, walk right in our backyard. If they're in the house, which we normally don't ever have them really in the house, they're outside. You know, you, freedom, come right on in. Because, I mean, with kids, you've got to be careful, you know, uh, on that end. But hopefully, our attitudes, our actions will slowly rub off on them. Or at least have them think, man, they're different. Why is that? We always say to our children, it's important who you, know, uh, who you pick for friends. Well, why is that? Well, who are your friends? Well, why were you friends? Because you hung out with them, right? You spent all your time with them. Now, for us in Christ, if we hang out with God, I won't get in so much trouble, will I? That's why it's so important to have a relationship. That's why it's so important to realize that the Holy Spirit is in us. Because when we hang out with God, we're not gratifying the desires of the flesh. Verse 16, uh, Paul said that um, of uh, Galatians, it says, so, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not desire Uh, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he he goes on and says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want or you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So Paul gets really specific here, you know, for the Galatians. He, He says, for those who would say... What do you mean, flesh? I don't understand. He goes along. He says, act of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, you can't just say, well, I gave my life to Christ when I was five years old. And I've never talked to him since. 
I've never done anything for him since or, 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 or worshipped him, but, but I'm going to heaven. Even though I've given myself over to this list, and I don't mean, oh, you've struggled with sin along the, the path. What I'm saying is the, 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 the person who is completely living on, you know, in sin on purpose, that person has to ask themselves a question. Did I really accept Jesus? Maybe they did. Maybe they, they didn't. That's between them and God. I can't tell them. All I can look is see the fruits of your spirit. Now, again, I'm not talking about the person who struggles with sin. You know, I gave my life over to Christ, and I've struggled all along. I, I, I'm, trying to, you know, I'm trying to work on my relationship with God, and, and, you know, and, and that person's like, oh, I fear that I may not go to heaven. No, 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 no. If you've accepted Jesus, you've accepted Jesus. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about the person who does it, but you're kind of like, well, did they really if their whole life has not been for God? I don't know. That's between them and God. There are two different things. At the end of the list, he says this. He says, but, in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its, uh, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Walking with Jesus is a walk. Walking with Jesus is a journey to the point when I get older, you should notice some things about me, and hopefully you do. I should be changing. I should be looking more like God. Now, I don't mean physical. I'm talking about in my actions, okay? We should be sinning less. We should be celebrating life more. That is our goal, to live in Christ, to mature, to not stay a baby. You know, the other day I uh, finished giving grace in a bottle, okay? He's He's 20 months old. He's, he, you know, he still kind of does a bottle a little bit, but he's, you know, he's still a baby in a, in a sense. And Brandon said something jokingly about wanting a glass of chocolate milk, and I said, well, well, I'll put it in a bottle for you. Come on over here and get in my lap, and I'll feed you a bottle. And he's like, you know, so he comes over and jumps up in my lap, and I act like I'm giving him a bottle, and he's screaming, no! you know trying to get out of my lap and stuff and and that's good he's maturing i mean wouldn't it be really weird if he jumped in my lap and took a bottle at six i mean and we laugh because it is funny but so many of us jump into a god's lap and we grab the bible and we're like okay give me my bottle hmm i've been a christian for 20 years give me my bottle and god's sitting there going you should be eating steak by now i smoked some tri-tip i got some ribs for you come on let's eat but instead, we're like, I want chocolate milk. And God is like, I want a, a stronger relationship. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit, to mature us. To go, man, I really screwed up that one. Let me not make that mistake again. And the next time that thing comes around, what do we do? We go, okay, Spirit, I need your help on this. Because last time I stepped into a big mess. But save me from this one. And he gives us an out. And guess what? If we choose that out, that's called maturing. That's the whole process to mature. In Ezekiel eleven nineteen, this guy lives 550 years before Christ, 600 years before Paul writes this. Ezekiel says, 
I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. What is the heart of God? I mean, this is like the dad, you know, right before vacation. Oh, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have so much fun. Let me tell you all the stuff we're going to do. This is like dad before Christmas. I bought all this stuff. I want to provide for you. That's the heart of God, wanting to provide for us, that excitement of being a dad, you know. And he says, they will be my people, and I will be their God. How does God do this for us? He changes our hearts. That's the business that God is into. So if you're sitting there going, man, my heart's just not, I just don't, da, da, da. the Holy Spirit is into changing you from the inside out. So stop, stop struggling so much with you trying to change yourself. Ask God to change you. And over time, he does that. Let's go back to Romans 8, 5. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So one of your prayers ought to be, Lord, what is my mind set on? The things of the flesh or the things of the Spirit? We need to set our mind on what the Spirit desires. God, show me what I should have on my mind. Lord, help me today to keep my mind on you. Not the rules of how to live, but a desire that's within me to please you, God. That's where our minds should be. Wouldn't it be great if you felt like you were pleasing to God? I mean, it's always great to have a a parent or somebody that uh, we look up to an aunt or an uncle or, or even a co-worker or a boss that we really look up to, to feel proud of us. To say, man, you did a great job on that. Isn't that a great feeling when that happens? That's what we can get from God. God can be proud of us. And we can have that feeling when we're living in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And we're going to fail. We're going to slip. We'll fall. But since we're in Christ Jesus... We are forgiven saints. Praise the Lord that God forgives us. That's an amazing thing. So God says, so it's over. Don't bring it up again. You're a new creation. So ask the Spirit to help you walk in the will of God for your life. So study the Scriptures. That's how you find out how to set your mind on things of God. You know, think of a subject you know really a lot about. How did you learn that? Maybe it was through books. Maybe it was through talking about it. Maybe it was through TV, seeing it. Well, how do we get our minds around something like God? We get into the book. We get into the Word of God. We listen. We talk about it with other people. The Bible needs to reshape our mind, our mindsets. Because the Holy Spirit will start to, to develop a new mindset uh, in us. And, and Lord, how do I do that? Well, I get into His Word. I, I come to church. I, I fellowship. Uh, you know, we, we get together. We, we, we talk about God. And the old mindset is reshaped by the Holy Spirit and is built totally anew. Because our old mindset is hostile toward God. 
Our old mindset is arrogant. Well, I can handle this. I can do this. But the new mindset wants to have God in our lives. See, our lives have been damaged by sin. And the Lord changes us over time. By doing the things of God, we slowly change into God's image. See, the new mindset becomes aware of God's voice. And we're going to be talking about that, that in the next couple of weeks. How do we, how do we hear God's voice? But, but listen to what Paul says to the believers in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 2 here. He says, this is what we speak. Not in words taught, to, uh, taught us by the human wisdom, but in the words that are taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept these things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they're, they're discerned only through the Spirit. A person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And that should blow us away. We have the mind of Christ. So if you want to know what God is thinking, ask Him. Ask Him. See, the, uh, the unbeliever will not understand this. I mean, just watch the news. Uh, many many uh, news. You know, I mean, do, does the world understand God? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Some of your friends won't understand. They will say, we don't, we don't think alike. We don't. And you're like, well, yeah, I have a different mindset. I follow a God. I follow the God. And the Holy Spirit talks to us, and, and we know that when, when something is of God and something is not of God, and then we have a choice to make. And that's the Holy Spirit in us going, Alan, Alan, no, 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 don't, oh, don't do that. You're, if you do that, it's not from the standpoint of, oh, Alan, if you do that, you're going to get in trouble. It's, Alan, if you do that, you're going to have misery in your life because that's a bad decision. You see the difference between there? It's not a no, no, no. It's a, hey, let's try to prevent some, some you know, stepping in it here. We want great things. God wants great things for us. We have a choice. You know, Brandon came home from school a couple of weeks ago. They had a book fair at school. Gave him some money, and we went through all the books, and he was all excited. And I gave him a little extra money in there for him to, to you know, if he found an extra book, because he's always wanting something more, you know. Uh, Grayson's word, uh, ask Grayson to say more. He says that word really well. You know, he says, mom and dad, okay, but more he gets, you know. Brandon understands that mentally. He's always asking for more, you know. So I gave him a little extra. <clears throat> and uh, he came home and we went through all the books and, oh, it's really cool. He got every book. And I said, okay, would well, you have the envelope? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And he gives me the envelope with the extra change. And I even put a note in there. If he wants something else, he can buy it, you know, so they would know at school that that, that was okay. And, and uh, he came home with this really cool marker. It's like this big and that. And it's a highlighter, and he's all excited because he goes, hey, Dad, do you have anything for me to highlight, you know? So I'm great. Well, in the, in the envelope had the receipt. So I pulled out the receipt and I'm looking at it and I go, I'm thinking, well, I don't see the marker on there. 
I'm thinking, okay, well, well, Brandon, um, did you pay for the marker? Oh, yeah, yeah, I put all the stuff there, and she scanned it all, and, and she took the money out and put the change in the, in the deal. And I said, well, how much was the, the, the marker? And he says, $4. And I said, oh, okay. And I'm looking at the receipt. And now, I don't think he lied to me. He doesn't lie like that. that he's just not that, you know. But then again, the money, they didn't take it out. Well, the Holy Spirit in me says, well, Alan, you know what you have to do, don't you? I'm like, ah, oh, I mean, I got to get out and walk into the school instead of dropping them off? Come on, man. I mean, it's probably their screw-up anyway, right? I mean, my son's not lying to me. Put all the stuff there. They didn't scare. Well, it's their fault. I mean, that's what the flesh says. But the Holy Spirit says, Alan, get your butt out of the car. Go in there and have a cut. So, so the Holy Spirit went out, and the next day they were still having the book fair. So I went and picked them up from school, which normally we, we let them go to the after school program. So now it's taking up more of my time, you know. Oh, so Brandon, we go off, and he's picking out more books and stuff. And I said um, uh, to the person there, I said, uh, By the way, uh, uh, I had the receipt. It didn't have uh, the marker on it, Brandon. And she goes, Oh, yeah, I, re- I remember. I thought I scanned that. So clearly it was her fault. She remembered. And I said, well, I wanted to pay for it today. And she goes, what? I said, well, I want to pay for it. Wow. She must have said wow like six or seven times. And I'm like, well, it's not that big of a wow. I mean, it's four bucks, you know. But she couldn't believe that somebody was coming back to pay for it. Such a small thing. But first off, it's the right thing to do. The Holy Spirit's going, Alan, Alan. You know, secondly, it teaches Brandon what is right because I let him know what I was doing, you know. And third, not sure why, but it made a huge impression on the person checking us out. All because the Holy Spirit said, Alan, you know what you need to do. Now, I could have totally ignored the Holy Spirit because, believe me, there's times when I've ignored the Holy Spirit, okay? I'm not perfect. I'm just like you. We have a choice to ignore the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit teaches us what to do if we listen. And at first we're clumsy with the Holy Spirit, but later on when we, get to, when we begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, people often ask, well, how do I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Well, next week we're going to talk specifically about how... Um, how to tell when the Holy Spirit's talking to us, when the Holy Spirit directly talks to us, um, versus someone else talking to us, versus, man, I ate too much pizza last night, or, you know, whatever. Or if it's our own wishful thinking, oh, I really want this, I really want this. Oh, God really wants me to have this. And God's like, what? Well, you didn't even ask me. So that's what we're going to be talking about. That's the direction we're going. But hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit was not a sporadic thing for the Apostle Paul. He walked in the Spirit. The Spirit was always talking to him. And that's what, that's what the Apostle Paul wants for us. He wants us to walk in the ways of the Spirit and to listen to God. So this beginning of the chapter in Romans 8, is, you know, just to kind of recap, we don't pay the penalty for sin. We are set free from the power of death. We walk according to the Spirit and not the flesh. We set our minds on things of the Spirit and not things of the flesh. 
Let's finish reading up a couple of things here in Romans 8, 6. It says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Man, what a bad place to be, in a place that you can't please God. Verse 9, it says, You, however... Are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But for us, we have the Spirit. We belong to Christ. We've accepted Him. Verse 10, it says, But if, you were in, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Christ dwells in us and we dwell in him. That is a wonderful thing. And Paul's whole goal from this point on is to teach us what that means in our life on a daily basis. So next week, man, if, if you're sitting there going, I want to learn how, to, how the Holy Spirit talks to me. I want to learn how I should be talking to the Holy Spirit. Starting next week, we're going to be talking about that stuff, okay? So make sure you're here. It's really important. Why well, don't the worship team, why don't we all stand as the worship team comes? and?